morning. Grace, mercy, and peace, these are God's gifts to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Oh Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts on your word, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, be profitable in your sight, benefits to us. All this we ask in that great name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the text today is short, very short, this gospel text, but Jesus has been on the move. He is most certainly on the move. Consider the very first verse of our text, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as they were leaving Jericho, that quickly, Jesus comes to Jericho, and now he's on the way out of Jericho. Now, uh, Johnny Cash bragged about having been many places. You remember this. I've been everywhere, man, but I think he's got some competition here from Jesus. Here just a sampling of the places Jesus has been already in ten short chapters of Mark. The Jordan River and Galilee, the wilderness, the Sea of Galilee again and Capernaum, synagogues and grain fields on the Sabbath, to the mountain and to the sea, the country of the Gerasenes, Gentile country that is, his hometown, Bethsaida, the regions of Tyre and Sidon, the district of Dalmanutha, the Mount of Transfiguration, Judea beyond the Jordan, and now again this first verse here. He's been to Jericho, and before we even hear about what he did in Jericho, he's on the move outside of Jericho. I'll tell you what, Jesus has been everywhere, man. And now, having left Jericho, and looking in the Gospel of Mark forward, we can see that he's headed to Jerusalem. In fact, he'll be to Jerusalem in seven short verses. Chapter 11, verse 1. And as Jesus, in his great hurry, travels everywhere and now is headed up to Jerusalem, he stumbles into one who is now our new brother and our new friend. It says that he's the son of Timaeus. Timaeus being a name for honor, and his name is Bartimaeus, Bar just meaning son, so his father is the man of honor, he is the son of honor, and we find out also that he is a blind beggar. doesn't seem to be much honor in that. And the text says that he began crying out. Now, it says it just one time, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, but when the Greek says he began to cry out, I, I need you to hear that it's over and over and over again. Once he hears that it's this Jesus of Nazareth, he begins crying out, and the man will not stop. Have mercy on me. And many in the crowd who were traveling with Jesus were not told explicitly that it's the disciples this time, but there's a great crowd coming with him from Jericho, traveling the 13 miles up to Jerusalem. Many in the crowd began to rebuke him, telling him to be silent. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, an honorable father, a son with an honorable name, he's literally told by others, literally, stop your dishonorable talk. For Jesus is on the move, can't you see? And he begins crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Over and over. And dear people of Community Lutheran, hear these next words. Just reading a sampling of the text again. And Jesus stopped. Begins with that, the man who's been on the move, the man who's been everywhere, the man who's in a hurry up to Jerusalem. The text now continues with, and Jesus 
stopped, and he said, Call him. And they, the disciples of the crowd, called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Hearing the cry for mercy, Jesus stopped, and he called the man. Now, I don't know if you remember, I think it was just two weeks ago, Pastor Bob here in this place preached to you about the rich young ruler. I think we know his story on the whole a whole lot better than bind Bartimaeus. Maybe part of that is the fact that we're given more verses about that rich young ruler. But do you remember this young man? He says, what must I do to inherit rather eternal life? Jesus says, keep all of the commandments. And he says, oh, I've done that since I was a wee lad. I've done it this whole time through. And Jesus says to him, okay, well then, you need one more thing. How about you sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he leaves discouraged. Here now this verse. We've got a poor man, a beggar, little likely to his name, What does it say? He stands up. He probably throws one of the greatest things of value to him in his life. His cloak, he throws it off and goes, runs after Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want from me, Rabbi? He says, let me recover my sight. Well, when we come to the ends of our ropes and we're crying out, whether in explicit prayer to God or crying out possibly in complaint to others or crying out in our own dark thoughts, our cries actually sound much like what this man cried explicitly. Have mercy. Have mercy. Even as the circumstances which bring us to such a place are often quite different. Even as it was with this man, his general prayer was have mercy, and yet Jesus asks him, what do you want from me? And now he becomes quite explicit. So also when we are crying out for mercy, it's likely due to quite explicit explicit circumstances, or maybe a a host, or a handful of them. He says, let me recover my sight. I think of a friend back in Michigan who a year ago right now were crying out to God, heal my child. Now they're crying out, Lord, be with us and comfort us until we see our child again and your greater kingdom to come. Or maybe it's, Lord, bring my child home. Lord, help fix my marriage. Help me in the workplace. Help me find work. Save me, Lord, from depression and anxiety. Save me from addiction. Something like this. Cover, Lord, my guilt. Lord, take away my shame. And those three words again. And Jesus stopped. Jesus heard the cry of Bartimaeus. And after calling him to him, asking him what he wanted, hearing his prayer to receive his sight, Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately Bartimaeus recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. On the first reading of the text this this week, I actually spent time this week, it was fun, on Tuesday with your pastor Matt Knaus at the other campus, uh, a friend of mine also. I did with him what Pastor Bob and Pastor Matt normally do, which is they work over the text together, and we had a young pastor new to the 
San Diego area join us, and all of us were on Zoom. You know how this goes. But I had, had fun with it. As we first went into that text, I think I first gravitated to the crowd itself, trying to follow Jesus, and here's this man on the side slowing things down. I focused on the crowd, their rebuke. I almost wanted to turn the text very quickly on myself, and maybe then come this Sunday, on you as a moralism of sorts. Don't overlook others. Or more accurately, as if I haven't done it before, more accurately would be, David, stop your overlooking of others. So I first gravitated towards this text by way of the law, as if looking in the mirror and sizing myself up just as we size the crowd up here. My conclusion? Looking in the mirror, I suppose, shame on you, David. Or my conclusion this morning, looking out at you, I could probably say the same. Shame on you all for the times, the many, many times you have overlooked others. All right, pop quiz. Anybody remember the fifth commandment? You shall not kill, all right? The fifth commandment, you shall not kill. And maybe like the rich young ruler, we say to ourselves, oh, Lord, I have never killed anyone. Listen to Martin Luther's explanation of that. You shall not kill. Well, what does this mean? It says, you should fear and love God so that you do not hurt or harm your neighbor in his body. Then he turns it positive, but rather help and support him in every physical need. Shame on me. Shame on you. Shame on us. We have overlooked our neighbor. We've been going everywhere, man. When we've been in a hurry, we've seen somebody in need and we've wanted to just cruise on by. Yet, yet, even as in this moment of this message or us together, we, we face up to this text and it comes to us as law, yet while the law shows us what we should have done and did not do, it never really empowers us to do anything about it. Or I can put it this way. If it comes into clear focus right here now with you, what we should render unto all of our neighbors, that's great. But it turns out I'm actually educated beyond the actual obedience of my life. Like St. Paul says, the good things I know I should do, I fail to do them. And the messes that I know to stay out of, I found myself knee-deep right there. And the law doesn't work its work. It shows us our disease. It shows us our handicap. In the face of the law, we look very, very much maybe like Bartimaeus. Handicapped. Blind to others. Deaf to the word of God. Dumb to be able to say anything wise or helpful and lame. Just not helping others with our limbs and our bodies and our life. Death itself at work in our members. Just when we're at that low point again because of the law, just when we're sitting then roadside with our brother Bartimaeus, just then enters Jesus. Oh, he's been everywhere, man, and he's got places to go. He's on the move. But Jesus stops for Bartimaeus, and he stops for you, and he stops for me, and he stops for us today, for this Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, 
And there in Jerusalem, as you well know, and we'll remember again very explicitly about six months from now, Jesus took a six-hour stop on the cross and then a three-day stop in the tomb, all for you and yours and me and mine and all the world, those who have failed to stop for others. And Jesus stopped for you in your baptism. He stopped. He paused. He celebrated. He put his name on you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He put you into himself. That where he goes, you go. And so you go into his death with him. But just as he is raised from the dead, you now go with him to his new life, which is yours now and will be yours to come. Jesus does all this, and Jesus will stop for us in the supper today. He will forgive us and strengthen us again and make all of us together belong to each other. We were once alienated from God and from each other, and now even again in this meal, he calls a family, he unifies us with himself and with each other in a congregation, a gathering of his own family. I heard some of you are studying the book of Revelation. I don't know where you're at there. There's a moment in the book of Revelation where all of heaven stops. Revelation chapter 8. It says in verse 1 that as Jesus opened another one of the seals of the great book, all of heaven, which is a very loud, loud place with angels coming and going, with music and celebration, all of heaven, which is a loud place, hushes and goes silent for half an hour. And what is it that takes place in that silent time in heaven? As Jesus opens the seal, he says, in the hush of heaven, the prayers of God's people, even like our prayers in a little bit, come for the Father. Heaven's a loud place, but when it comes to your prayers, God says, hush, I'm going to listen to this one. And now that Jesus has stopped for you and for Bartimaeus, for me and for all the world, <coughs> Now that you are made whole and following him, have left up and left all, now Jesus is in fact stopping for so many more. And he's doing it through you. He's stopping for your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, those you serve through your vocations. Jesus is serving them daily through you. <coughs> for your part, through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have new life, new eyes, new ears, and you use them. For as Martin Luther says, you've given me all these things in all my senses. So this day and all days in Jesus Christ, in our baptism, in the strength of the supper we're soon to receive, may the Lord open your eyes and your ears to listen and to see others who are crying out for mercy. For just as you cry out often for mercy, so do others all the day long. Maybe not in those words, maybe in many other words and actions, but may the Lord open your ears and eyes to see it when they do. That you may also declare to them the riches and the mercy of Christ. For through your Christ Jesus, who is still on the move, through him and with him, he stops for more and more, even through you. And he has mercy on them. May he continue to do so in your life and my life also. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.